The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you have Bibles, let's go Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, Kids, you can head back to your classes. And uh, we're going to continue with our series in Proverbs today. And so what I want to do is I want to uh, open us up understanding that I am a little bit exhausted. I spent the week out at uh, Strong Tower Ranch Camp. Uh, we, had, we had a ton of kids at Strong Tower, and uh, we, uh, man, we poured our lives out. We had 15 volunteers. We had 15 Salvation kids that ring the bell and ask Jesus to come in their life. Uh, and I love Strong Tower Ranch. Listen, uh, if you're looking for a local missions trip through the summer, uh, this is one of the best places uh, to serve. I've been serving at Strong Tower for about uh, six or seven years now since my kids were little. They're now volunteers. We all go out. We serve together. Uh, and it is, it is amazing. Uh, and I've been on, on a ton of missions trips. Anybody? been on a missions trip, international, local missions trips. I've probably been on at least a dozen missions trips in my life, international trips. Uh, I started out uh, in youth ministry, and so I- I've gone to places like Rio Bravo and Reynosa uh, and Nangales, Mexico. And then as a church, we had several years where we took trips to Puebla, Mexico. Uh, and you could see uh, the missions wall out there where people go on missions trips, take their pictures. All right, we want to be a church about missions. I, I, I live on mission because I'm a Christian. That's how it works, by the way. Uh, so if you're a Christian, you're a missionary. Hallelujah. Say amen to that. All right. And so we want to live out uh, this mission. And so one story I want to share with you of my mission experience to kind of illustrate where we're going today. Uh, it was the first time we went to Puebla, Mexico. And uh, I wasn't real sure how it went or, or what we were doing or where we were going. But, but I just knew we were going to take a flight into Houston. Uh, and then we were going to fly from Houston to Puebla. And someone was going to pick us up at the airport. That's all I knew. All right. And so uh, everyone say, get a plan. That was the plan, okay? So I'm going to show up, all right? So I show up. It's, it's a little, it's late at night, right? We get into the airport, uh, and we find our connection, someone I've never known before, never met before. I don't know who they are. They know us. They're looking for us. We make this connection. Hallelujah. We're here. We got a ride. And we walk out of the airport, uh, and then all of a sudden, there's like people everywhere, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like Grand Central Station. I mean, there's cars going, people moving. There's people everywhere. And there's motorcycles, and there's scooters, and there's buses, and there's cars. Anyone seen this this environment? Right? There's just people everywhere. And so there was this family uh, on this, this moto scooter. A family. I'm not kidding you. The dad was driving. The mom was behind him holding a baby. Grandma behind him. There's a kid on the front, a kid on the back, and a chicken. I kid you not. Right? And I'm walking out thinking, man, I hope they have a vehicle a little bigger than that. Right? And so sure enough, they do. They have a, like a, like a 1984 Chevy Trailblazer. There's seven of us, two of them, and we're all going to fit in this truck. Welcome to Mexico. 
right? We get in this truck. There's not enough seats. I have to crawl in the trunk, right? All the luggage is on top of me. We've got, we've got uh, gas cans in case we run out of gas because where we're going, there's no gas stations. So we got to have backups. And so uh, those, fuse, those fumes are acting like a, like a diffuser of the aroma. I mean, it is getting to me, right? But here, here's what I know is that it wasn't until we started driving that I realized I was in trouble. Okay, so we start driving, and I'm looking out the back. Everything's backwards anyway. I'm looking out the back of the vehicle. I'm looking out the front. I'm looking out the back, and I realize very quickly that there's no lanes. There's no lanes. There's no speed limits. There's no traffic laws. There's no stop signs. Listen, there's no rules, In driving, right? And it's like the Tasmanian devil from the Looney Tunes was the driving instructor and everyone's driving like they just escaped prison, right? And I think, oh my goodness, we are going to die before we even get there. I mean, people are driving everywhere crazy, doing whatever they want, turning around wherever they want, driving on the shoulder, driving in the middle. Headlights are optional, by the way, right? There's people coming straight at us, behind us, ramming us, bumping us. I'm like, is that normal? Right? And so people are just driving crazy. And, and I'm amazed that anyone really uh, is still alive. So, so here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Wherever there's a lot of people... It's helpful and useful if everyone would find their lane, right? And everyone would kind of stick to their lane if we're going to make any progress. And so throughout Proverbs, listen, we've talked about some very practical, godly wisdom in our lives. We started out talking about getting wisdom. Our adventure this summer is to get wisdom. Everyone say, get wisdom. We start out by talking about how we get wisdom, how we humble ourselves before the Lord, how the Lord is to be the center of our families, center of our universe, center of our hearts, center of our lives, and everything revolves and spins around Jesus as our center. We talked practically about parenting. We talked last week uh, practically about marriage. And today, we're going to talk about relationships. And here's what I know, is we're going to have a lot of relationships, And it's good for us to understand the lanes in which relationships operate best, or else there's going to be a lot of head-on collisions, there's going to be a lot of pain, there's going to be a lot of hurts, there's going to be a lot of frustration, and it's going to act like a traffic jam. Here's what I know. If you're an introvert, how many introverts out there? Okay, all right, you're kind of shy. You don't really want to raise your hand too high. I don't want attention drawn to me, all right? So introverts will have approximately 500 uh, interactions with people every year, 500 interactions with people. These are people you know, people you don't know. How many of you are extroverts? Extroverts, yeah, there you go. Extroverts will have about 2,500 interactions with people every year. And so if you, if you work in customer service, Right, that scale is tipped. If you if you're a server at a restaurant, a little higher. If you have an Italian family, really high. All right, and so so we're anywhere between 500 and 2,500 interactions with people every single year. Anywhere between the thousands, 500s. When it comes to relationships, what what we need to understand is that people should be in particular lanes. 
We need to see and understand, okay, okay, we got a lane for this, we got a lane for this, if we're ever going to move forward. Otherwise, your life is going to be relational chaos. How many of you feel like you have relational chaos? Right? And so there's relational chaos going on, a lot of head-on collisions, a lot of headaches, a lot of pain. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look in the book of Proverbs so that we can get some wisdom. Everyone say, get wisdom. So we want to be wise with our relationships. Now, you and I, we really fall in uh, personally into three types of categories when it comes to relationships. The first category is naïve. All right, some of you are just naive when it comes to relationships. Some of you are the opposite of that, and you're really paranoid. But where we want to land is discerning. So there's naive, there's paranoid, and there's discerning. The naive people, you are the ones who are going, you know what, I just trust everybody. Right? I'll give my life to anyone. I'll open up. I'll give you all the information. These are my kids. These are my grandkids. Here's my credit card. What do you need? And you just open up to anyone and everyone. And what happens when you just open the road wide and let everyone just run however you want? You just see people, oh, I just trust everybody. Do whatever you want. What happens is there there's, there's tends to be a lot of pain in your relationships, because what happens is people take advantage of that and they hurt you and all that stuff, all right? But the others of you, you're the total opposite of that, all right? Let me just start. How many of you are naive? Yeah, of course, nobody wants to admit that, right? But, but the, the other ones of you are, are relationally paranoid. Everyone say paranoid. Okay, these are the opposite. These are the people who are very close. You put up walls, bars, chains on the locks, everything. You don't let anyone in. You keep everyone out. You're afraid of everyone. And so, and so you're the type of person that says, no, I don't trust anyone. Like, like you use a fake name when you order a table at a restaurant. Hi, party of two. What's your name? Billy Bob. You don't look like a Billy. That's my name, right? You'll be walking with somebody for six years. I didn't know your name was that. Yeah, I used a fake name. I had to test you out for six years. Are you kidding me? So you're, you're relationally paranoid. I mean, you live off the grid. You have a barn full of ammo, right? Maybe because you were burned or you were hurt or you read Revelation a lot, right? You go down in your basement. You got on the concrete wall, the Armageddon plan, rid out and Sharpie. You're like, this is the escape route, right? Nobody comes in. Nobody goes out. We're in lockdown mode all the time. Uh, and if you're honest, you trust nobody. Anybody like that? No, you're in hiding, Right? And so while some of you are naive and you just trust everybody, where some of you are paranoid, you trust nobody, where we need to be as Christians is we need to be discerning. Everyone say discerning. We need to be discerning. You realize that people are different, right? And you have different lanes for different people. John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, Jesus was really starting to get popular. So this was early in his ministry. He was doing some miracles. People were getting excited. They weren't coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior and trusting, uh, trusting him in their hearts, in their lives, calling him uh, Lord. But they were just awed by the miracles. Like, wow, this guy can do some really cool tricks. Let's see what he does next. And so all these crowds were coming to him. And verse 24, it says this. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. You see, Jesus, he wasn't naive. 
trusting himself to everyone. And he wasn't, he wasn't paranoid closing the door on everyone, but he was very discerning. Everyone say discerning. Jesus was discerning. There were people that Jesus kept at a distance and there were people that he went deeper and deeper and deeper with. If you read the book of Acts, it says that there were 120 disciples gathered in the upper room praying. So he had at least 120 of close friends. In Luke chapter 10, it says that he had 70 disciples or 72 disciples that he would send out two by two. So you've got the 120, you've got the 70, but then we also know that he had the 12. Those were the 12 disciples, knowing that one of them would betray him, right? And so he had the 12. But then if you read in the scriptures, in the gospels, he's got kind of this three, this, this, this Peter, this James, this John relationship, the transfiguration. He takes his closest even deeper. And so he's got wide, he's got narrower, he's got narrower, and then he's got these lanes that he lives in. And so he goes, goes deeper with fewer, wider with more. And so he has very warm sentiments towards some. John was the, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. You've got Mary, you've got Martha, you've got Lazarus. He cared for that family. He wept with that family. He mourned with that family. Uh, he was firm with the Pharisees. He was straightforward with Pilate. He was straightforward with Judas. And so he was discerning, say discerning. When it comes to our relationships, if we're gonna use godly wisdom, we need to be discerning. When it comes to relationships within our own lives, people, and according to Proverbs, people really land in three different lanes. These are the lanes that we need to understand if we're gonna thrive in our relationships. Lane one is wise people. Everyone say wise. You people over here, you're gonna be the wise group, all right? You're the wise. You're like, woohoo, yay, we win. All right, the second lane, the second lane is the foolish people. That's you. Okay, so there's foolish, there's wise people, there's foolish people, and then it also says that there's evil people. I'm sorry. Make your evilest laugh. Okay, not bad, not bad. We'll work on it. We'll work. You'll have other opportunities throughout the message to give the evil laugh, all right? So you've got the wise, you've got the foolish, and you've got, you've got evil people. And so as kids, our parents and our teachers, you know what they say? They say, well, just treat everyone the same. But, but that, that may not be the wisest counsel, actually. You know what I'm saying? Like, because God tells us that not everyone is equally safe. That not everyone is, is, is equally wise. Not everyone is equally helpful. Not everyone is equally godly. So, so maybe treating everyone the same may be a little off. What we need to do is take some wisdom from the God book and say, God, will you speak to us about what it looks like to be wise with our relationships? Proverbs 24, starting in verse 1. He says, be not envious of evil men. Sometimes evil tends to thrive in, uh, in cultural standards. You know what I mean? Stabbing people in the back, you know, using people to get rich, get ahead, you know, that sort of thing. He says, he says listen, don't be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. That's pretty harsh. For their hearts devise violence and their lips 
talk of trouble. When you're talking to someone, how do you know that they're evil? Well, they speak evil against other people. You're like, man, you're really angry at them. Man, you really have a thing for them. Man, you really hate them. Man, you really want to see them crash and burn. That's pretty evil, all right? Verse five, it says, a wise man is full of strength. Say strength. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For, but why? Because by wise guidance, you wage war in abundance of counselors. Say counselors. You have the wise people put abundance of counselors around them, and there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. Say fool. You see, fools, they don't like wisdom. It's too high for wisdom. In the gate, he does not open his mouth. There are three lanes. There's the wise, there's the foolish, and there's the evil. Let me hear your laugh. Okay, come on. I mean, I'll give you another chance. Just be ready. Okay, if you and I are gonna have healthy relationships, we need to know this. Otherwise, we're gonna have some relational chaos and frustration and so let me just ask you, when it comes to, uh, um, when it comes to relationships, which, which category do you find yourself in? Do you find yourself surrounding yourself with wise? Do you find yourself maybe, maybe talking to a lot of fools? Or do you find yourself, you know, relationally with evil people? Which category are you in? When you think about the, the relationships that you invest in, are you dealing with someone who's wise are you dealing with someone who's foolish? Are you dealing with someone who's evil? Let's talk about the wise first. In Proverbs chapter 9, there's a great little section. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8 and 9, it says this. It says, do not reprove the scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. What he's saying here is if you come to someone who's fool, you guys are the fools. So when, I, when we come to you and we say, hey, listen, uh, you're, you're kind of missing it here. You're kind of going the wrong way. You're, you're kind of bent this way. And, and so we want to try and help you grow. We want to try and help you grow. We want to try and help you move forward. The fool says... No, thank you. The fool, the fool basically says, no, I don't want instruction. I don't want to grow. I don't want to move forward. Actually, I hate that you're even coming to me. But then it says the wise, the wise man will love you. So when you come with instruction and counsel and wisdom, you say, oh, I really love that. Thank you for directing me. Thank you for helping me. And it says that the scoffer will hate you. The wise man will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Here's what I know. No one is wise in every area. Amen? And so the wise man understands, I'm not wise in everything. I still need to grow in a lot of areas. The wise man says, if you're wise, would you teach me? And if I'm wise, I'll teach you. And if I've learned some things, some godly wisdom, I want to help you increase and grow. And so since we're not wise in every area, we need one another. Right? You can be wise in one area and foolish in another. Amen? Amen? It's why you can be really great with money, but really bad with relationships. Or you can be really great uh, with money or, or great with relationships and bad with money. It's like you can be really wise and really foolish at the same time. Right? So the wise can be wise, 
and maintain humility and understand that there's always something to learn. I need to grow. I need to learn. I need God to give me his wisdom. I need God to show me my foolish ways. I need God to unveil my eyes and unveil my heart to see what I'm trusting in, what I'm going after, so that he could make me wise. And wisdom is not necessarily intelligence. You follow me on that? There are people who are very smart, yet very evil. Give me your laugh. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a long sermon. Oh my goodness. Stay awake over there, evil people. We live in a culture that values IQ. We live in a culture that values degrees, right? We live in a culture that values uh, uh, educational resumes, but it doesn't necessarily make you wise. We don't value godliness. We don't value wisdom. We don't value a love for the Lord. And so if we're gonna be wise, we need to discern and value those things. One mark of wisdom is humility. Everyone say humility. As a result of the humble, the wise are teachable. That's what we look for. Someone who's wise is someone who's teachable. Someone who's wise is humble before the Lord and asks the Lord, Lord, will you teach me? Lord, will you help me? Lord, I'm dependent on you. And so the wise want to grow in wisdom. And so not only that, but the wise will turn critics into coaches. And what I mean by that is the difference between a critic and a coach is not necessarily what they say, but why they say it. Are you with me? So a critic will say things, come against you, and say things to try and hurt you and tear you down, where a coach might actually say the same thing in love in hopes to build you up and help you grow. And so the wise will listen to both critics and coaches and discern what would be helpful to help them grow. And so the wise will take criticism and take what is said and consider is there any truth in what you're saying? Is there any truth in that critique? See how humbling that is? Is there any truth in what you're saying? Maybe I can consider that truth, take out of what you're saying what is true, and consider how do I become better? It's not defensiveness, it's wisdom. So even if the critic's intent is not good, and even if what they say, most of all, is not true, if there is any truth in it, the wise will take it and use it for growth. Wise people understand that school is always in session, right? And life is filled with opportunities to grow. Not only that, but maybe the most important attribute of the wise is that the wise have the fruits of the Spirit. The wise hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The wise receive the counsel of the Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. So if we're going to be wise men and wise women, we need to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Say amen. amen. Foolish people live 
by the power of the flesh. Wise people live by the power of the spirit. And evil people live by an evil source. Many times throughout the scripture, you'll see that the Holy Spirit and wisdom are put together. Many times the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of wisdom. And so in John chapter 3, there's a, there's a religious man who comes to Jesus at night and he says, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And, and, and Jesus, says, Jesus says something really radical. He says, actually, you must be born again. That's a crazy statement. And the religious man, he didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He thought he was talking about some, some physical birth. He's like, how can I be born of my mom again? I'm already old. I'm already grown. Look at me. Right? He says, no, no, it's not like that. It's a spiritual birth. You need to be born of the Spirit. Well, how does that happen? Well, you see, it's like the wind. The wind blows where it wants. You can see its effect, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't know what it goes. But everyone who's going to be in the kingdom of God must be born again. In the same way, if we're going to live and walk and, and thrive in godly wisdom, you and I must be born again. We must ask Jesus to give us the Holy Spirit as we come to faith and repentance in him. He says he gifts us with the Spirit so that we can walk and follow him. Listen to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What that's talking about is that, is that the Lord must be the center if you're going to center of your life, if you're going to walk in wisdom. But listen to what it says. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Do you know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do you know the voice of God? Do you ask the Holy Spirit of God to reveal to you the truths of God when you read the word of God? When you pray and when you are in fellowship, you ask the Holy Spirit to come and lead your thoughts and lead your heart and lead your lips so that you can speak and walk and live in great wisdom. And so wise people have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the wisdom of God. And so what I'm going to say is, is, is surround yourself with those who are filled with the Spirit. In those three lanes, you're going to interact with all three people. Give time. Give energy. Give, 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 give um, your heart to those who are wise, who are filled with the Holy Spirit. More time, more energy, more responsibility, more opportunity. Because when you surround yourself with the wise, there's a good return. It's like a bucket that doesn't have a leak in it. Like whatever you put in will be beneficial. And so if you're taking notes, write this one down. The wise seek out wisdom of others, and the wise impart their wisdom to others. Remember, we're not wise in every area, but if we have godly wisdom, godly experience, godly understanding in particular areas, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we want to constantly come around those and help each other be wise and walk in wisdom. So if you're wise, you're humble and say, hey, will you teach me that? I'm not real sure how to even balance my checkbook. I feel like my life is upside down. I'm in debt. I'm not, I'm not a good steward of my money. I need some wisdom. 
You seem to be great with relationships. Could you, could you help me understand what it means to have a, a godly marriage? Can you help me understand what it means to be a godly leader? Would you help me understand what it means to grow in godliness and wisdom as I relate to others? And so we humble ourselves and say, man, I really want to grow. So the wise seek out wisdom of others. The wise impart their wisdom for others. Listen, who are you allowing to speak into your lives? That may be the most important question today. Who are you allowing to speak into your lives? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to speak? Are you allowing God's word to speak in your life? Are you allowing the counsel of others who are filled with the Holy Spirit to come and speak into your lives? If you were honest, some of you, you have no idea what the Holy Spirit sounds like. You have no idea. Let me just give you a hint. The Holy Spirit sounds a lot like this. Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of the things that I've taught, the things that I've said. And Jesus' life points a lot every way to the Scriptures. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will bring you into repentance and bring you into truth and bring you into knowledge and remind you of the gospel. And some of you, you don't know what the Holy Spirit sounds like, not because you don't read the Bible, but rather because you fill your ears and you fill your eyes with empty, random nonsense. How much time of your life are you allowing just simply random nonsense to come into your life? I'm convinced that TikTok is the Greek word for foolish. You're not on TikTok? It's foolish. I mean, it's nothing but foolish. And listen, so many young people, they're addicted to TikTok. I don't get it. It's just nonsense. Listen, I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not saying it's wicked. I'm just saying, man, are you kidding me? Listen, I have a couple teenagers, which means about a dozen of them live at my house. Right? Hours and hours a day listening, looking, observing, just mindless foolishness. I'm not saying it's not good to have some downtime, to have some vegetables. I'm just saying, listen, what are you allowing to speak? Eric, are you saying social media is a sin? No. I'm saying that there are things that are absolutely sinful. And there's some things that aren't sinful, they're just dumb. They're not helpful. They're, 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 not, they're not beneficial. They're not, they're not filling you with wisdom. I, listen, some of your lives are hard because you're living in unrepentant sin. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're saying, okay, God says this. I know God wants me to go this way. I know God wants me to trust him in this. I know God, I want to follow God in this. And some of you are saying, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to obey. I don't want to walk forward. I like the way that I'm going. I'll keep Jesus in my pocket. I'm not going to put him in my life as the leader. I'm just going to pull him out whenever I need him, just like my phone. 
And so what happens is some of you, you have hard lives because your life is, you're living in unrepentant sin. Others of you, your life is not hard because you're living in sin. Your life is hard because you're making foolish choices. You're just, you're just, you're not living wise. Foolish people are not those who lack intellect, but rather they lack humility and a desire to grow. They lack a desire to grow in wisdom. So even when I make this comment about TikTok, you know what happens? You're like, oh, no. We make excuses, we blame, we shift it, and we say, oh, no. But the wise would say, is there any truth to that? You see, the foolish put up barriers and walls and lock the door and say, no, no, you're not coming in. I don't want to grow. I don't care about my growth. And the wise would actually say, hmm, that's something to consider. What am I filling my life with? What am I filling my ears with? What am I filling my eyes with? Hmm, maybe there is some truth to that. The foolish, they actually despise wisdom. Foolish people are not those who lack intellect, but rather they lack the humility and the desire to learn. They actually lack the desire to grow in wisdom and godliness. They say, uh, that's not for me. I'd rather live by the flesh rather than the spirit. And all foolish people want to do is fill their lives with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, and they argue and blame and they make excuses while that is not true. Proverbs 1.7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise. Everyone say despise. The fools actually despise wisdom. They despise instruction. You can't tell me. You don't know. I mean, you're 40-something. I mean, I'm, I'm the master. I know. I know what's best for me, and I'm going to live my life the way that I want. Listen, you can't teach a fool anything. Why? Because they already know everything. Or they have an excuse why they can't or won't. You know what that is? That's a lack of humility. The wise are clothed with humility. And they say, I do want to grow. I do want to learn. I do want to become more godly. I do want to become wise. Listen, the fool, it says they actually don't like discipline. The fools don't like order. Fools don't like responsibility. They're always looking for a shortcut, some get-rich-quick scheme, some type of, I don't want to put in the hard work. I don't want to be responsible. I want to coast through life. I want everything handed to me. And so you know what the fools do? They look for the overly responsible people because they lack responsibility, and they back their dump truck of responsibility up to the overly responsible, beep, 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 and they dump all the responsibility on the people around them rather than taking responsibility for themselves. They despise hard work. They despise wisdom. Why? Because I don't want to grow. I don't want to get better. I don't want to mature. I don't want to do those things. I want to just live in my mom's basement forever and play video games. Look, look, we laugh, but that, that is the culture we live in. Can you cut the crust off my sandwich? You're 31 years old. (laughs) 
Okay, listen. <laughs> this, is the, this is the hardest part. Proverbs 26, verse 3. It says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Is this saying we should whip the fools? No. Although we want to, okay? It's saying that foolish people will only learn through painful consequences. Wise people let other people pay their dumb tax. There's a dumb tax that has to be paid. Wise people let other people pay it. Fools always pay it themselves. What I'm saying is wise people learn from others' mistakes and they take notes. Can you tell me about that again? Tell me how that went. Okay, it didn't go well. Okay, I'm gonna put in some barriers. I'm gonna put in some things, some pitfalls because I don't wanna fall in that pit. Foolish people always pay their own dumb tax. They don't learn about money until they lose all their money. Foolish people don't seek out counsel for their relationships until all their relationships are busted. They don't get a job until they lose their house. You see what I'm saying? It's telling me that the fool learns from painful consequences because they're not interested in growing. They're not interested in being wise. They're not interested in taking responsibility. And so listen to me. If you're taking notes, write this down. Pain is the main motivator of the foolish. And as parents, that's really hard. Because they live by the flesh and not by the spirit. And, and many, many even grown-ups, listen, we, we won't seek out a life-giving relationship with the Lord until everything else falls apart. Why? Because we're stubborn. We're prideful. We're not humble. The wise are clothed in humility. And the foolish person says, no, I'm going to wait until I hit rock bottom before I actually have to start looking upwards. And so, and so the question is, what areas in our life are we foolish Oh, we need God. We need God. Anyone need God in here? Like, I need God. I need the Holy Spirit to help me see what areas am I foolish? What areas am I wasting my time, wasting my life? I, I don't want to be fool. I want to be wise. And so I need to be humbled. Spirit of God, please come and humble us so that we would see the areas that were foolish and where we need to walk in wisdom. All right, and so the last category is the evil. Come on. All right, they are getting it. Give it up for them. All right, you're getting it. Let's talk about evil. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 12. It's talking about wisdom, and it says, wisdom does something to us. And so in verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12, it says, wisdom delivers you from the way of evil. From men of perverted speech, that's a mark of evil, who forsake the paths of uprightness, that's a test of evil, who walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perseverance of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So let me ask you, are there evil people? Yeah. 
Sometimes we're, tr- we're taught to trust everybody. But I'll be honest, not everybody has a good heart. Not everyone has a good heart. Not everyone looks for the goodness of God, looks for the goodness of others. There's some evil people. There's some nasty people. And if you look around your life and everyone in your life is kind of nasty, you've got a broken picker. I'm just saying. Now, not everyone is nasty. Not everyone is evil. But can we be honest? There are some dangerous people. Foolish people unintentionally, hear me, unintentionally cause you problems. Evil people intentionally cause you pain. Have you ever given some information to somebody and they use it and they just try to stab you in the back with it? Like I trust you and and they just turn it on you. I don't know. It's because hurting people hurt people. And so foolish people are unaware of the damage they're causing, but evil people are seeking out opportunities to cause it. You see the difference? So when it comes to relationships, what we need to do is, is, is identify the lanes that people are in. Which lane are your relationships in? When it comes to relationships, we need to understand their lane. Otherwise, there's going to be much relational conflict, much collision. The wise, when we work with the wise, when we talk to the wise, when we have relationships with the wise, we give you more. We give the wise more time. We give them more access, more energy, more love. We give you more information because you're helping us. I'm growing, you're growing, we're growing. That's what a wise, wise relationship does. To the foolish, we help you. We give you less, less time, less access, less money. If you're not a good steward of your money, I'm not gonna give you more. That would make me foolish. So there, we give you consequences and we give you boundaries and we help you become wise. We help you grow in wisdom in all the areas of your life. To the evil people, we give you nothing. Nothing. We need to realize that these people are not, are not beyond help. They're just beyond our help. They need God. They need professional counseling. That's a real thing. We love you. Yeah. We pray for you. Yes. But you know what? Evil people are drowning and they don't want to be rescued. You jump in to try to save someone who doesn't want to be rescued, what are they going to do? They're going to push you down. They're going to pull you under the water and laugh while they do it, right? And so listen, how many of you can think of people in your life right now that may fit in all three of these categories? Oh, yeah, I know some evil people. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty foolish. I know some wise people. And so listen, there's value to understanding these three lanes. So this week, my wife and I are going to uh, shop for a, a new car. It's time. We've put it off long enough. I hate doing that. Does anyone, everyone hate shopping for new, new cars? Oh, my gosh, such a burden. I'm not looking forward to it. I went through this process about just over a year ago where I took one for the team, and I sold my Jeep Wrangler. I'm still sad. I'm crying inside, actually. (laughs) Give me a second. I miss my Jeep. But I I, I sold it, and so we we had to, I I took one for the team, so I had to buy a a full-size SUV, something that my family could travel. We do some traveling. And so I ended up with a a Nissan Armada. It's like a V8 tank. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody drive like a big tank kind of car? Yeah, it drives so great. It's so strong. It's like a tank. Um, 
And, and so even though I'm still mourning the loss of my Jeep, I still feel it because my Armada gets like 10 gallons to the mile. <laughs> Not miles to the gallon. 10 gallons to the mile. It's that bad. And so listen, it's, it's a constant, huge investment. And sometimes we need to be willing to pay that investment, all right? Relationships with wise people get really good gas mileage, don't they? Foolish people, it takes a lot of gas. More time, more energy, less progress. But sometimes we, we're willing to pay that, that, that price. Evil people, they don't move. No gas mileage. No matter what you do, they don't. They don't move forward. They don't want to grow. They need God. They need a savior. They need help beyond me. I pray, I encourage, but I keep you at a distance. I tell you this to say this. Your life energy has to be invested. It has to be invested. If you invest into people who are wise, your gas mileage will increase. If you allow wise people to invest into you, your gas mileage will increase. If you allow foolish people to invest into you, you allow evil people to invest into you, your gas mileage will go down. You with me on that? And so you give something to someone who is wise, what happens is they just start rolling. You put people around you who are wise, you tell them something, you know what they do? They go right to work. They get to action. They get going. You give wise people instruction, you know what happens? They go right at it, right? It's almost like you don't even need to wind them up very much. You put a little bit of gas in there, and they run, they run miles and miles, right? The foolish person, they move forward, but they get a little bad gas mileage, right? So they'll make some progress, but you have to constantly keep on them, constantly pushing them, constantly encouraging them, constantly praying for them, constantly talking and calling and checking up, checking up and checking up. So much energy is trying to help them getting to move. Amen? You know those relationships? Listen, they're worth it. Like sometimes they're worth it. But you've got to get parameters and consequences. And don't, and don't just simply give them everything. You give them some gas. You help them roll. You get out and you push the car sometimes. You help them grow in wisdom. Evil people don't move no matter what you invest. Sorry, guys. Why? Because they don't want to. That's the contrast. You guys really want to move forward. You really want to grow. You really want to honor God. You really want to get wise. You guys, you're a little slower. I mean, you kind of see some benefits, but you still make some foolish choices. You're not really engulfed with the spirit. You're just kind of engulfed with the flesh. But we're helping you. We're loving you. We're helping. You guys, you're like, no thanks. I don't want anything to do with that. The key here is want to. Everyone say want to. It's the want to. It's the desire of the heart, which is why we need the Spirit. Because my desire of my heart is always crooked. It's always going the other way. It's always turning my back on God, always thinking that I'm smarter than God. And so I want the Holy Spirit to come transform my mind, transform my heart, so that I would see God, know God, love God, be wise like God, and follow God. That's what I need. That's what I want. I want to do that. Even people, they don't want to do anything. You have to have the want to before we can give you the how to. 
And you can have all the how-to in the world, you can have all the books, all the wisdom, but if you don't want to grow, if you don't want to be godly, if you don't want Jesus, if you don't want the Lord, if you don't want to be wise, listen, we can't help. The guy who comes and says, you know what, I just don't want to love my wife anymore. I, you know what, I don't want to invest in my family. They wear me out. When I get home, I want to get as far away from them as possible. I've actually built this thing in the basement called a cave, and I go there so that I can hide. I want to retreat. I want to get away. I don't want to be around them. I don't want a relationship with the Lord. I don't like God. I don't think he's wise. I don't want anything to do with it. Listen, the how-to doesn't matter if there's no want-to. Say want-to. The quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life. And the idea here is that we want a relationship with the Lord. Why? Because every earthly relationship flows and hinges upon your heavenly relationship with Jesus Christ. Every earthly relationship will flow from your relationship with Jesus, and you're asking Jesus to help you to be wise, you're asking Jesus to help you use discernment, and many people don't have a plan with their relationship with the Lord. And so we don't have a, rela- uh, we don't have a plan for our relationships with each other. We have a plan for our money. We have a plan for our time. You probably have things on your calendar this week that you're planning for. You plan for vacation, you plan for your hobbies, you, you plan for a healthiness. You got a gym membership. At least it's there. I mean, not that you use it, but it's there, right? You made a plan to get healthy. You make a plan on what you're going to eat. You make a plan. But very few people have a plan for their relationships, starting with their relationship with the Lord. And so if we're going to be wise, we got to seek the one who is wise, who gives wisdom by his spirit. And so we need to make a plan of how do I have a healthy relationship here so that I can have a healthy relationship here. Matthew 12, 42, it says that Jesus is greater than the wisdom of Solomon. Listen, you can, you can read all the self-help books you want. You can read all the books that you think are wise. You can read Solomon and Proverbs front and back, Ecclesiastes. You can read all the wisdom literature that you want. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it will be daunting. It all flows from a relationship. The wise will seek first a relationship with Jesus who gives the spirit of wisdom so that in this relationship, I can be wise and discerning with these relationships. All right, let me break it down for you like this. See if you can identify what your life is like. If you have a wise person and a foolish person, that relationship looks like a parental relationship. Okay, you have a wise person and a foolish person looks like a parental relationship. Some of you, you grew up in a home where your parents were foolish and you had to take a step forward and take responsibility like you were the parent parenting your foolish parents. That's how it works. Some of you, you're married to a foolish person and you're wise and so you know what you need to do, right? You need to parent them. A lot of marital counseling, I talk to people, they're like, yeah, he just won't do this. He won't take responsibility. I actually have to have a chore chart for him next to the kids. He doesn't even get stars. The kids get more stars than him. 
I can't get him to do anything. I can't get him to take responsibility. He wastes his life. He's just foolish. And that marriage is more like a parental relationship rather than a loving relationship. Are you with me on that? And so if you have a wise person and a foolish person, it looks like a parental relationship. If you have a wise person and an evil person, what you need to do is set up boundaries and parameters because the evil person is always checking in with the wise person, saying, hey, how much will you let me in? How much will you let me in? How close can I get? Where can I go? Can I get? And the wise person will hold them at a distance and say, okay, that's far enough. I'll love you. I'll pray for you you. I'll encourage you, but I know that only Jesus can help you and you need professional help. A fool, a foolish person and an evil person. This is a very common relationship. Why? Because the evil people seek out the fools because they'll let them in. They'll talk to them. They'll help them. They'll help them uh, inflict pain. And so this is a slow, this is a slow movement. Evil seeks out and preys on the fool and this becomes an abusive relationship. Listen, If you'd allowed an evil person to be in your life, whether that's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or someone who hurts you, listen, you have permission to get out of that. You need to be wise and discerning, all right? And so evil people prey on foolish people. Now, if you got a fool and a fool, that's called college. Remember those days? (laughs) right? You're just looking for someone else to be foolish with, right? Because it justifies your foolishness. I don't want to be responsible. I don't either. Let's not do anything today. Great. You know what I'm saying, right? I'm not responsible. You're not responsible. I waste my time. You waste your time. We make a great pair, right? We justify each other's foolishness. We do this thing all the time, right? And it's painful until the train comes and wrecks you, That's what motivates fools, right? And so until that train comes, it's painful and your movement forward and godliness is slow and that creates a codependent relationship, right? I need someone to drink with. I need someone to sleep with. I need someone to help me live by my flesh and I'm just trying to find another fool that's lazy like me instead of taking responsibility and that is a codependent relationship. Now, if you got an evil person and an evil person, that's like a double-barrel shotgun. Bang, bang, tragedy, disaster, dangerous relationship, all right? But if you have a wise person and a wise person, that is fertile growth. You both thrive. You both pour into each other. You receive humility with each other, and you begin to grow, and that is the life-giving relationship right? And so when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we seek that out because I'm humble before the Lord and he's filling me with wisdom. He's helping me. Why? Not because I'm I'm putting up guardrails or barriers and say, God, you can only come this far. I'm saying, God, you can have my life. God, you can have my heart. God, you can have my soul. God, you can have my mind. God, teach me your ways. Let me walk in your ways. Let me understand your word. Let me be filled with the spirit. Let me trust you with all of my soul. That is when growth comes. Amen? Healthy relationships provide an enjoyable life. Unhealthy relationships cause a painful life. Keep people in their lane. Help each other grow in wisdom. That's what the wise people do. And so as the band comes, I'm going to close with these questions. Is there any area in your life that you know God is revealing to you it's foolish? Is there any sin 
Is there any, any brokenness? Or is there any areas of immaturity or irresponsibility that you need God to come in and transform you, that you need to give over to the Lord? Is there anything foolish that you need to repent of? Is there any way that you're, that you're walking that you just need to simply turn around and trust God with? Is there anything that you need to walk away from? Is there anything evil that you need to give over to the Lord? Is there anything in your life that you're ashamed of or disgusted by? Because here's the good news. Jesus Christ died for sin and for sinners. You see, the Bible says that we're all foolish in some way. We've all turned our back on God thinking that we're smarter than God. But Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we could never live. And he died the penalty for all of our foolishness and all of our sin. And so today the good news is that Jesus came and died for sin and sinners. And not only that, there is nothing that you've done that can, God cannot defeat. There's no foolishness that you've stepped into that God cannot redeem. There's no amount of sin that you've done that God cannot wash clean. There's nothing that you've done that Jesus won't forgive. Amen? I mean, is there, is there anything that has such a hard grip that God cannot release? God can deliver you from your pain, your sorrow, your foolishness, your evil, and every sin and shortcoming that you face in your life. How many of you would raise your hand and testify that Jesus has delivered you from some foolish things? How many of you would testify that Jesus has the power to save you from some evil things? How many of you would testify that Jesus has the power to deliver anyone and anyone who would come to him by faith and say, Jesus has saved me from me? Amen? Amen. I need the Lord. Not just so I can make wise choices, but so I can live a godly-centered life a Christ-centered life. And as I live this Christ-centered life and he fills me with the Holy Spirit, I receive Jesus, I receive his grace, I receive his forgiveness, and I receive the Holy Spirit. I'm born again, asking the Lord to come into my life, wash me, make me new, fill me with the Spirit, take out my foolish, evil heart of stone and put into me a wise, godly, God-fearing, God-loving, God-wanting, I want to trust the Holy Spirit in my life. And when I have the Holy Spirit, He counsels me in ways of wisdom. He helps me be humble before the Lord. He helps me grow in discernment in my relationships, not only with him, but with others. And I want to follow Christ. And so I'm going to ask you right now, right where you are, that you would just simply ask Jesus to give you the spirit of wisdom, that we would be wise and that we would be discerning so that we could grow and flourish in wisdom and godliness. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, Lord, we are foolish in ways that we don't even know. We live our own lives, have our own wants and desires, and we chase things in this world that are so silly and not helpful. 
Jesus, today I ask that we would come to you and ask you to forgive us of our sin, that you would wash us and cleanse us of our foolishness. And truly from this day forward, we would pursue holiness, that we would pursue wisdom, that we would have godly discernment in our lives. Jesus, we ask that you would fill us, fill this church, fill every man and woman with your spirit. Give us the spirit of discernment. Give us hearts that long and want to grow in you. Give us lips that long and want to praise you. Give us minds that long and want to think about you. Lord, you care about every detail of our lives, and so we want to give it completely to you. Oh, Jesus, please come. Jesus, speak right now. Right now, Lord. Spirit, speak. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to the Lord, you've never trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and today you would acknowledge that, that you have fallen short and you need Jesus and you need the Spirit. And if you've never done that, you've never come forward, never acknowledged that, and today is your day, I want to encourage you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, right where you are, I just want you to raise your hand up and just put it right back down. This is just an acknowledge between you and the Lord. And say, Lord, that's me. Lord, that's me. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm walking right now in some foolish things and I need the Spirit to help me. If you look at your life or look at your relationships and and a lot of it is, is very foolish. If that's you and you just raise your hand up and say, Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Just an acknowledgement before the Lord to say, Lord, help me with my foolishness. Yeah. If you're here today and, and you say, you know what, I, um, I, I feel like I have an evil heart. I have an evil mind. I, I want, I have this urge to destroy people who have hurt me or hurt them back and and I need to be washed clean and you just simply acknowledge. Maybe it's something you're ashamed of. Maybe it's something you're not proud of, something you're going through. And you say, Lord, I need the spirit to come and help me with that. If that's you today, just lift your hand up and put it right back down and say, Lord, that's me. Lord, that's me. All over the house, all over this room, we're responding with our hearts and we're saying, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have prayer partners in the back. If you have something you're going through that you need prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. I want to end with this encouragement is that Jesus is the fountain of truth. Jesus is the fountain of life. Jesus is the fountain of wisdom. Jesus is the fountain of righteousness. Jesus is the fountain of faith. Jesus is the source by which every Christian lives. And here's the great news about the fountain. It doesn't run dry. 
We don't come to Jesus like a watering trough that we have to continue to fill up. He is an endless fountain. And he says, come. You're thirsty? Come. You're weary? Come. You're hurting? Come. Come to Jesus. Let's take some time and respond by faith. I love you guys. Thanks. Micah. So the song we're going to play, Reckless Love, we played it quite a few times. I just kind of wanted to, to kind of divulge its meaning right here. When we-